Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That text presents a nice picture for us of what is called a good life. The, the King James Version reads this way, that I come to give them life and that more abundantly. When, uh, when we try to make our way through this world, and that's what we're trying to do, we're looking for a place where we fit in. All of us are. There's not one person in the sound of my voice that is not seeking a place where they feel comfortable in this life. Where you fit in. Where you feel at ease. Where you feel like you're respected. Where you feel like you're welcome. We all want that place. Now the text we were talking about in John chapter 10 talks about two places, doesn't it? It talks about, I've come to give them life and that more abundantly. Life now and life after a while. The, uh, the idea that we want to have a good life is fairly prevalent. We, we want to be where we feel the best, where we can feel the best. We want to have a sense of belonging. We want to um, fit in with dignity and status and some self-worth. We want to feel as if we're valuable to someone, whoever that might be, whether it's our hero or heroine. We want to feel some dignity and some stature. We look to our family, first of all, to fit in. We don't find it there. We look for our friends, someone special in our lives that we can feel comfortable with. We look to uh, our peers, for instance, for our place. We uh, look to our competitors sometimes. That uh, we, are, we are filling a spot that our competitors feel like we are worthy of. And we want to uh, look at society at large, basically, and look to others maybe if we can find out where we fit and where we belong. Sometimes we don't find that place. Or we find the wrong place where we feel comfortable, and that simply compounds our issue. More often than not, it's our choice of where we want to fit in. Uh, when we have no place where we have a sense of belonging, we begin to uh, seek around to find someone who will accept us. We are just a heartbeat and a breath away in that situation from making the wrong choice and trying to fit in with the wrong society, wrong people. We'll make wrong choices, we'll choose wrong companions, we'll take wrong directions, and we'll develop wrong attitudes. And when we do this, we're trying to make sure that we are not marginal. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. We're talking about getting through this life. 
I have spent the last three weeks or two weeks talking to you about the continuity of the soul. That we're passing from here to there. And that the soul continues. And all these societies that, that have gone in the past and the present and the future will talk about the fact that the soul continues on. And the religious concepts that we gain from those who have not sought their answers in the Bible have told us that once we die, we start a journey from one place to the next. The Egyptians, of course, made all the preparations thinking they would take a journey, sometimes over the sea, whatever it might have been, and that they would go from this place and they wanted to be comfortable while they were, they were getting from here to where they were going to spend eternity. The Grecians did the same thing. And so did the Sikhs and the Jainists and so did the Hindus and so forth. They talked about trying to make transition from one being to another, transmigration of the soul. Basically, though, the Bible tells us that the journey we're making from the time we are born until the time we die is the journey, is the only journey we need to think about during this life. And we're told that the, that the Lord, our God, is going to give us a comfortable journey. We're going to have a comfortable journey. Now for many of us, it becomes uncomfortable because we feel like we don't have a place in this journey. We feel like we're marginal. We feel like sometimes we're invisible. We're peripheral. We don't really belong. We, and let me use a word that we're familiar with. In this context, we are homeless. We're homeless. We don't fit. We feel like we don't fit. We seek someplace to fit. God intended that you have a place of dignity and a place of value and a place of responsibility now the life you have now and have one to come. Whenever we talk about the good life, we're talking about generally what some people think of as, see, I, I'll tell you what I did. I talked to John before we started, and I said, can you, oh, there I got it. Can you do something for me? <laughs> and uh, we had a little bit, he had a little bit of shuffling around to do. When we talk about the good life, this is generally what we think of, isn't it? Sitting on the seashore with nothing to do, twiddle your thumbs, watch the sun come out, come up, watch the sun go down, keep the sand in your, between your toes, keep the sun out of your eyes, keep the sunscreen on, and just enjoy life. But, you know, that, that's showing that you're enjoying it with someone, too, but, but that's sort of beside the point. That really is not our goal. It's to get to a point where we have nothing to do and where we become invisible, inconsequential, and extraneous. Now, you, you can talk to people as they get older, and you can find out as an individual grows older, and they leave their job, and the comfort of their job, and the security of their job, and the responsibility of their job, 
and they go out into society and all of a sudden they become without value. As people get older, this happens. They don't fit in anymore. They don't fit in any longer. They have, they're, they're not needed. And so they become anonymous. They become homeless, basically. What, what, what about the kids? What about the family? Well, they have their own affairs that's going on. They have their own business. They have their own work. They have everything they're doing. And so the old folks are kind of left behind. That really happens. It does happen. Sometimes you don't have to get old to get left behind. You don't have to, you don't have to reach a stage in your life where you, you, you don't feel like you have any worth. That nobody cares what happens to you. That you're alone and that you have no dignity, you have no status, you have no reason for being here. Well, let me assure you that this text we talked about in John chapter 10, the life that now is and of that which is to come, God has a place for you. And as a matter of fact, he, he thought about this place a long time ago. Before we were born, even before the world began, God had it in mind. You know, God doesn't think in little short spurts of time. He doesn't think that way. God thinks in long terms. God thinks way out ahead. When we want something done and we pray to God we want something done, we want it done like that. Like when you turn on your computer and you get on the internet and you search for something, you want it now. God doesn't work that way. God has a plan, has a purpose, and He takes care of things, but He does it in His own time and His own way. So whatever you may be asking for now, He already knew you were going to ask for that. And He's already got it planned out for you, and it may not be going to happen just, just as soon as you get off your knees after prayer. It may happen sometime later. But God had a plan to begin with that He would put you in a place where you would be included. And the plan that He has for you is called the kingdom. The kingdom. Now we've heard about the kingdom. When John came preaching, John the Baptist, he came preaching the kingdom of heaven in his hand. The kingdom is spoken of all through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. And it was coming. It was on its way. That's where God has a place for you in His kingdom. He prepared this. He prepared this place specifically so you would not be anonymous. So you would not be extraneous. So you would not be forgotten in the rush. So you would not be, let's use a word, homeless. You would be homeless. You would have a place. That was called the kingdom. In other words... The ancient religion said the journey you're going to make is after you die. Then you make a journey, and then after a while, after you make that journey, then you have the reward. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you've got a journey, but your journey starts when you're born. And God has a place for you while you make this journey where you can be comfortable and you can feel like you fit in. That you have a place. That you have dignity. That you have status. That you have value. It's called kingdom. The kingdom of the Old Testament, when you read the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament, you're reading two different books. Basically, the Old Testament was written in order to picture, draw you a picture of what the kingdom could be like. What the real thing could be. And so it was a picture. It was a diagram. It was an illustration it was a small picture of a bigger picture. 
And so the Old Testament kingdom was when God took Israel and said, okay, I'm going to, and told Abraham this to start with, he said, I'm going to give you a land and a people, and your, your people will be so large, Genesis 15 and Genesis 12, like the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven. Your people will be that, that many in number. But he said, I'm going to give you a land, and later it was called the land flowing with milk and honey. And so Abraham's descendants, called Israel, were taken to that land, and then a kingdom was established. And one of the majority, or the, one of the major kings, of course, was David, Solomon first, and then David. He was the king of Israel, and so there was a king over a kingdom, and that's where God was taking care of his people. But that was just a picture, a picture of, of a kingdom coming where you could be included and you could feel your worth as an individual. Where you could make the transition from this world into the next world, the continuity of your soul. The kingdom of the Old Testament was exclusive. It was only for the children of Israel. The eternal kingdom that God has designed that came when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom, is inclusive. It includes everyone. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and you, all these things will be added unto you. He said, seek ye first the kingdom. So we seek his kingdom. And when we find that kingdom, then we find the things, the precious things, that make up the good life. Now, your good life in in the kingdom is not sitting on the seashore. The good life you have in the kingdom is is measured in different different ways. Now, let, let me let me show you some of these ways as we go go along. It was said to be the the best place on earth to be. The kingdom of Christ was to be a place of peace and security. So when you come into the kingdom, you know you can come into a peaceful environment. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. And it says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his, out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Now he's talking about someone coming who's going to maintain that kingdom that he's talking about, maintain that situation. He said, With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He'll, he'll settle disputes. He will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. That's, of course, talking about the gospel. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now listen to the, the way it's expressed here. The wolf will lie down to the lamb. Now, you know he's using figurative speech here. He's not talking about developing and maintaining a zoo. He's talking about human beings who have this disposition among themselves. The disposition of a lamb or the disposition of a leopard. And he said, the, the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's the little one. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. That, of course, is Jesus. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. 
And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. That's a that's a uh, adder. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So in the kingdom, the Prince of Peace will reign, and there will be peace in the kingdom. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom. There's a place where you can find rest and peace and comfort, and we can find people that get along together. That's not easy to find anymore, is it? People who get along together. That's what he's saying. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus referred to this. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in, in me you might have peace. But in the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we have a place. Now he says, in the world, you're not going to find any peace. A lot of people get, are getting awfully disturbed about what's going on in this world. Well, that's what happened. In the world, you can't have peace. You'll have tribulation. But he said, in me, in Christ, you shall have peace. He's talking about his kingdom. The kingdom is a place inhabited by those who have turned away from this world, have repented. That's what John preached, didn't he? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So those who inhabit, those who come into the kingdom, are those who have turned away from the world and have said, this is not for me. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. That's what repentance means. I'm going to declare that I don't want the life I had before but I want a new life with God. That's what he's talking about in the kingdom. A place where everyone has vowed to start all over again, to start afresh. Now Jesus referred to it this way. What a wonderful place this is, the kingdom. Because it's a place, you find it, it's a place where everyone, everyone has said, I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Jesus said, Except you become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, coming into a room full of little ones is fun, isn't it? Little innocent ones. Little sweet ones. Little ones who have no ulterior motives. Little ones that are not trying to harm everybody. Little ones that are not trying to say bad things. He's saying the kingdom... It's like that. It's full of little guys. It's full of those who have started all over again. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the kingdom, the place that God has for us, that he prepared, which is the transition place, where you're transitioning from this life to the next, is called kingdom. And it's a place where everyone has started all over again. And everyone has come in with a good heart. There is a, there are the parables that Jesus set forth in Matthew 13 and Luke chapter 8. 
where he takes four different types of soil for the farmer. The farmer is going to plant some seed. There's four different types of soil. One soil is, is on the pathway that, that you're going out. It's, it's packed down. It, it's, the seed just kind of falls out by accident. The other soil is, on, on, uh, is kind of rocky. And the other soil has weeds growing in it. And the other soil is good and rich. And he said, the good, rich soil that will take the word, he said, the seed is the word of God, and the good and rich soil is the soil that, that the seed comes into and produces fruit, produces the uh, wheat in abundance. And he said, that soil, now he's talking about the kingdom. So when you're looking for a place, the place called the kingdom, and where you're looking for a place to fit in, to feel comfortable, the place you're looking for is where these people have good and honest hearts. That's what this soil is said to be. The soul of good and honest hearts. In Luke chapter 8 at verse 15. The kingdom is a place where everyone acknowledges one guide. And that's Jesus. Someone who will not embarrass them. Someone who not will not give up and give give some get up and give some political speech that is full of innuendos and falsehoods and lies and some truth and some some not truth and some deprecating of others and so forth. This leader called Jesus is someone whom everyone can trust implicitly, explicitly. He's not going to say anything that will embarrass you. If you want a place this, that where, where your leader is going to lead you in the proper direction, then this is the place. It's, it's called the kingdom. And the text says that everyone who is in this kingdom are those who have acknowledged that. They, they've said, okay, my only leader in this life is Jesus Christ. My only leader is Jesus Christ. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not an Independent. He's not of the House of Commons. He's not of the House of Lords. He's not a monarch in, a, in another, another state. He's not a despot. He is my king. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. The people in the kingdom, we're talking about you looking for a place to fit in. Do you fit that category where you can fit in with those people who have said that? These people have said that because they are in the kingdom. It's a place that is filled with people who have forgiving hearts and are willing to accept abuse rather than retaliate when they're abused. It is a place where a person may forget their past and look forward to a pleasant future. It was Peter who asked the question, how often, when my brother sins against me, must I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. It's a place where the voice of Jesus is heard and responded. Like the sheep, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. But it's a place, the kingdom is a place where everyone who comes into it must completely disavow any other direction in their life and say, I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'll be obedient. 
Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that hears the voice of my Father, which is in heaven, obeys it. That's the kingdom. It's a place where all that are in the kingdom are equal. No one's above another. While Jesus was here, people asked him different questions. You know, the uh, mother of James and John came and said, I have a request for you. And he said, what is it? And he said, that they, she said, well, I want my, one of my sons to sit on your right hand, the other one on your left. Jesus said, it's not mine to give that. He said, but he did, he did set forth a principle. He said, in the kingdom, the least shall be the greatest and the greatest shall be the least. There's no level in this society. Sometimes when we look for our place, we're looking for our place in a caste system. Where do I belong? Well, I belong down here at the poor folks. No, I belong up in here with the middle class. No, I belong up here with the elite. I belong, where do I belong? In the kingdom, the least is the greatest. The uh, largest is the smallest. This is how it works for us. The servant is the master, and the master is the servant. The highest is the lowest, the lowest is the highest. It is a society that the communists would like to have, and have taught for a long, long time that they could have, but found that they couldn't because they, could, they didn't have a leader. So everyone is equal in the kingdom. Everyone cares for one another. That's what this text says, and no one thinks that they're better than the other. That's, that's how uh, Paul described it in Galatians chapter 3, at verse 28. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. That's a servant or master. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And the kingdom is a place where sin is abhorred. A place where you can be comfortable with nothing obscene being said in your presence. Or in the presence of your friends or guests or children or family or parents. It's a place where the language is pure and unadorned with vulgarity. That's what Jesus said. He said, you know... Out of the heart comes proceeds evil things. And he said, by your words, by your speech, every word you'll have to give an account for. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 through 38. So in the kingdom, people watch what they're saying. They do. It's a place where love, kindness, and respect are in the highest regard. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 38. The kingdom of God is the place where the Son of God stands at the gate with open arms, welcoming those of us who are weary and heavy laden. That's what he said. Come unto me, ye are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He offers to take our troubles and problems and our worries and promises to put our mind and heart at ease. He's there to welcome you and me to his family as we come up from the waters of baptism and start our new life. We have a place in the kingdom where we are welcome. Whoever we are. We have a place of dignity. We have a place of respect. We have a place of, of stature. We have a place at the table. You heard that expression, haven't you? I need a place at the table. Well, in Isaiah chapter 25, the writer Isaiah was talking about the coming of the kingdom. And he talked about it as a Feast on the mountains for all the good things were served. 
the feast on the mountain. That's what you're invited to. And you have a place at that banquet. You have a place at the table. And as such, when you come into the kingdom, you're not homeless. You're not marginal. You're not invisible. Not indistinct. You're not anonymous. You are a person. You are a person of great value and of great worth. Now, the kingdom of God is this place. This is where God enfolds in His loving arms. This is, my friend, the kingdom of God is in fact the church. It is the church. Every expression in the New Testament talks about the characteristics of the kingdom. Use the same terms concerning the church. So what we're saying is, when you come into the church, into this fellowship, into this community of believers, you find your identity. You find your worth. You find your value. You find your rest. You find where you're part of the group. You find that you are exalted. You're valued. You're respected. You're welcomed. That's, that's actually what it is. It's sort of ground, ground rules, isn't it? These things happen in the church. You say, well, it hasn't always happened where I'm at. We're in the wrong church. Find the church. Find the kingdom. Find the place where the name of Jesus Christ is exalted above all other names, where the word of God is respected and taught and advanced and in truth not distorted, but stated just exactly like Jesus set it forth and the apostles set it forth. It is a band of believers who are committed to following Jesus Christ wherever He leads. This group of believers is also referred to as a body. The church, the kingdom, the body. And the body is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we have to think about it. It's, the church is described as a body, and the body is described this way. Christ is the head, so He gives us direction. But then each member is a part in the sense that one member may be the ears, the other may be the nose, the mouth, the big toe, the fingers, the hands, the legs, whatever. But you're all connected and you're all together and all have a, all have a person. And as a matter of fact, Paul is talking about this fact when he's saying, when he's saying don't, don't, don't disregard the weakest members. They have a place because the foot is not of the eye, is it not of the body? He said, that's not correct. All parts in the body have a place and are honored and respected and received. That's what happens in the church. Now you go to some other club, join the PTA if you want to. Join some other local organization, find yourself. You're going to find yourself in a packing order. Bonk, 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 until you finally get up where you can sit on the dais with everybody else that's in authority. But in the church... You find your place, and it's a place of honor and dignity. It doesn't make any difference who you are and what you can do. You're not anonymous anymore. You're not homeless anymore. You are welcomed, and you are part of this group of people. You fit in. You fit. Now, you don't fit in a local pub or a local bar. You don't fit in a dance club unless you can excel in some way. But in the church, you fit. 
Because God fits you there. He puts you there. And all, all the people there are welcoming to you. They, they say, okay, come on. You're part of us. We don't care who you are or where you are. We have no discrimination against you. As a matter of fact, we want to know you. The church is where we can find truth and righteousness, where evil is discouraged. If you're looking for a good place to be, a good place to fit in, go to church. That's where evil is, evil is discouraged and truth and righteousness and good living is encouraged. That's where I want my children to be. That's where I want my family to be. That's where I want my friends to be. I want my enemies to be there among these people. These people that let us fit in and give us dignity and stature and give us the feeling of being part of them. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, if the kingdom of the church is the same thing, that means that the unrighteous are not welcome in the church. They're not. Keep the unrighteousness out. You, what, what happens? How do I get in? You have to leave that unrighteousness behind. Leave it at the door, at the gate. If you want to come in, you can't carry this. You remember what Jesus told the man who was wanting to come into the kingdom? He said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He said, no, I can't do that. And he went away. Then the question was asked, well, how can anybody be saved then if they have to get rid of their wealth, their riches? You have to get rid of some things in order to come in. And he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to come into the kingdom of heaven. So if, if all you have in this world that you cling to are your riches, that's it. You've got to leave them behind to, if you want to come into the kingdom. If you if you got all your sins packed up over here and here's things you want to do, I remember one time when I was thinking about before I committed myself to Jesus, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to give up my Sunday if I come into the church. Sure enough, I did. I had to. <laughs> but if I said, no, I'm not going to give it up, certainly not going to give it up during football season, you see the problem? I have my time I want, and I'm not willing to give that up in order to gain access to the kingdom, to fit in. Well, going on in this text, it says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. So when we start welcoming those who carry these sorts of sins in with them, we are contaminating the kingdom. You can't do that. This has to be left behind. Isn't that wonderful that there's a place where you can be where these sort of crimes and sins are not prevalent? Isn't that nice? That's the church. The church is where forgiveness is taught. Where forgiveness is encouraged. I did something wrong. I sinned. I messed up. The church forgives me. That's where I can find forgiveness. I may not find it at the hands of the person that I abused, but I can find forgiveness among God's people, among the church. That's where I ought to be. The church is a place where love and kindness are exalted above greed and animosity. The church is where the language of the evil world is unspoken. It's a place of good words and good stories. 
the church is the place where we can be assured that our children and our friends will be encouraged to live a better and cleaner life. The church is where men, women, and children of good and honest hearts meet together to encourage each other to follow Jesus in order to live richer and fuller lives. This is the place where you can find strength to face the perils of life with confidence and hope. The church is the place of refuge from a world that's gone crazy. The world that's gone crazy. It's a shelter from the obscene lust and the unbridled sins of a selfish society. That's the church. The church is where you, your friends, your family, even your enemies can be a part of a well-meaning and welcoming community. It is a place for abundant living. It is the place that Jesus was talking about when he said, I came to give them life and that more abundantly. It is a place where you are no longer anonymous, invisible, marginal, unheard, unseen, homeless. No, the church is home to get you to where you need to be, which is in heaven after a while. You're not a member of the church, but you need to become one. It's easy, isn't it? Just like the kingdom. What a wonderful place. What a wonderful place. Name another place in your mind. Go through your heart. Name another place in your repertoire of understanding. In your vision of a good place. Name another place in this world where all of these attributes and things can be found. You can't do it. Sometimes people think of Disneyland or Disney World where everything is pure and clean and respectful. But that's temporary, isn't it? You go there and if you have enough money, you can be part of that. You don't need any money when you come into the kingdom. Matter of fact, Jesus said you have to get rid of some of it if you're attached that, that much to it. But you can be part of the church, that community, of believers. We urge you to do that if you haven't. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come into the kingdom. And then enjoy, enjoy the respect and the dignity and the stature you have as a child of God among these people. God help you do that. Let's stand and sing the song.